0: everybody and welcome to the podcast i'm jason and i'm jimmy and you are listening to full metal pod so how was your weekend
1: my weekend was uh uneventful well that's a lie i did get a new laptop this weekend so i could start like gaming so uh i have a really f- my favorite game is arc i don't know if many people have heard of it you kind of raise dinosaurs and battle each other So I've been playing that off and on this week.
0: Nice. I have never, I think we've talked about it before. I have never been a big computer gamer. So, I mean, I understand. So wait, you got the Alienware, I'm guessing, like we were talking about earlier?
1: Yeah, I got the Alienware Area 51 laptop.
0: Yeah, see, all I know is that, like, Alienware supposedly makes the best ones. And I don't even know how true that is anymore. But as far as I can tell, that's true. And that's, like, the extent of my gaming knowledge. Uh, for when it comes to PC gaming.
1: I am not, as I've mentioned on this podcast before, a uh, very technological guy. I don't know much about computers. I do I do know, like, you pick more expensive usually means it's better. So I, I spent a pretty penny on this laptop. But the cool thing is you can um, upgrade it. It's uh, upgradable. You can take out the processor, put a new one in. It's made to be upgraded.
0: Yeah, I think that's one of the benefits of yeah, of the PCs versus, like, consoles. Because, granted, there's some consoles that you can do. Like, there's some upgrades you can do with consoles, but it's pretty limited before you have to just buy a new console. Whereas PCs, you seem like you can upgrade them indefinitely. The- theoretically, I mean, there's I guess there's some point where it's no longer the original parts, but still.
1: Though, I will say the good thing about a console is that everyone playing on the console is kind of at the same advantage no one has a faster version of that console we're all, if we're all playing on ps4s everyone is seeing the same thing and having the same load in more or less i guess depending on your internet but like graphics wise and gameplay wise you're all on the same uh level well as in pcs the better pc is gonna like function a little better
0: true that's kind of the trade-off because on one hand you can uh have too much power so to speak and get an unfair advantage but then yeah the internet is kind of the the blocker if you will if you have just really crappy internet you're going to lag and fall behind everybody else when you fight i know that well i never really played that many online games but that used to be a problem back in the day when i was before internet became super fast like when cable was was maybe two or three times faster than regular uh, dial up and stuff, but not nearly as fast as what it is today. Like, I wouldn't have recommended streaming anything on those internet, uh, on those internet pipes back in the day. But yeah, I remember the internet, like, you get crazy lag and, like, you know, your guy gets killed immediately because you couldn't control him.
1: Oh, man. Every time I think about fast internet, I, I just remind myself of dial up. Because we both grew up in pre-internet times, and then we all lived through dial-up, both of us. So I just remember how fast dial-up was and waiting for a download back then when I want to complain about how slow my internet is today.
0: It's hard to feel bad for, for kids these days who talk about slow internet when I think about how slow my internet was back in the days.
1: Yeah, and just, uh, did you ever hear the thing where, like, uh, it was dial-up, of course, so you were taking up the phone line and no one could talk on the phone or sometimes if you picked up the phone and turned on the phone it would turn off the
0: internet yes that was always a problem if i was on the phone like somebody could be in a ditch or if i was on the internet rather somebody could be in a ditch calling for help or something but it couldn't get through because i had to play maple story or whatever and yeah, like we, we never, I knew some people who had two lines because of that, like one line for internet and then one line for just regular phone calls. We never did that. So we just kind of had to work our way around it.
1: Yeah. It was a definitely like a coordination of when internet could be used and when internet couldn't be used.
0: I think our rule was like after 7 PM or something, we were allowed to use internet because I guess there were no important phone calls at that time
1: yeah oh man i miss i don't miss the days of dial-up but it does every time i think of dial-up i think of neopets i don't know if you ever played neopets
0: i briefly did i might still have some alive somewhere in the universe but i don't remember it well like i it was kind of like um, it was like a digital tamagotchi almost i guess you could say
1: yeah they lived in their own little internet world and you would take care of your pet, and you could play games with your pet in the on the website. It it was cool. I think it's making a comeback.
0: Yeah, I guess now would be a perfect time with everybody home, just being able to play with your internet pet or whatever.
1: Yeah. I I think I was more responsible with my Neopet, but my Tamagotchi died, like, day two.
0: Same here. I had Tamagotchi, yeah, a few of them. And I'm not actually, I never had the actual Tamagotchi. I had the uh, the the uh, knockoff ones, and it was like, what was it like? They like the uh, Giga Pet and the 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 Nano Frog and and Digi Cat and all that stuff. And yeah, like within about a week, all of my pets would be dead.
1: I and you always start off so hopeful. Like you're like, I'm gonna raise this, and I'm gonna be. So responsible. I'm gonna show everyone that I can do this. And then you're like, oh, so much poop.
0: Yes. I think that is it's it's a good gateway kind of for kids. Like if you can't take care of a digital pet, you probably shouldn't have another like real living animal unless it's like maybe a plant or a turtle or something.
1: Yeah, it's just, yeah, that's like uh that's a good starter pet. A Tamagotchi is like, yeah, you're right. You know, before you give your children dogs. Start them off on a Tamagotchi. See how they do. Tamagotchi, then a Furby, and then a real pet. I feel like that's the chain.
0: Yes, and if they can pull that off, then all right, we'll talk about other animals. But if they're still stuck on those ones, then nah.
1: yeah, uh Yeah, no progressing until you uh, you finish the previous step.
0: I remember when I was a kid, a kid we had hermit crabs. And talk about things that don't live long. They may be, I don't know, two weeks or something before they'd be dead
1: oh i've never had a hermit crab did you have like a colorful shell i've seen people with like the cool shells
0: yeah you could buy all these colorful shells and that's kind of their thing is that they don't have a permanent home they'll just move from one to another so you just leave a bunch of shells around and eventually they'll move over
1: nice oh man hermit crown hermit crab sounds fun though like uh very laid back
0: pet. Apparently, they can live for thirty years. So the fact that they died within like two or three weeks around me kind of makes me feel sad as a kid.
1: And maybe you just got an old
0: one. Maybe who knows? I mean, I don't think. Granted, it was years ago, but I don't think we did anything wrong to them. Maybe they just don't live long in captivity. I don't know. Hmm. Man, just
1: like wild hermit crabs living to their thirties. It's like uh, they peaked in life. It's kind of when you're discovering yourself in your 30s, and that's hermit crab's ends.
0: Oh, well, I mean, I haven't haven't seen a hermit crab in, like, 20 years, so I'm not that concerned anymore.
1: No, well, I've never seen a wild hermit crab. I've seen them in pet stores. There was this exotic pet store here in Austin that I enjoy going to. Uh, They have a sloth. Uh, It's not for sale, but it's... It's like someone donated to them, so they have a sloth. So I, every now and then, I before COVID happened, I like to check out that pet store, see the sloth.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, can you legally own a sloth in America? I mean, maybe, but I, I didn't think so. But I guess, yeah, if it's just one they have hanging around, I don't know.
1: It's, uh, what is that? thing? There's like a three-toed sloth and a two-toed sloth, I believe. One of them is endangered, and you can't own it, but the other one isn't, and you can. And the story behind how they got the sloth was a mom bought their daughter a sloth for her birthday, and she just couldn't take care of it, so they donated to the pet store. So you can own a sloth, I believe.
0: Well, if that ever comes up, I will think about it, but I'm having enough time with my enough of a fun time trying to figure out my dog right now. So I don't think that's going to happen. That's uh, I don't think sloth is in the cards for me right now.
1: Well, never, never rule it out.
0: Yep. Well, let's go back and talk about our podcast or talk about full metal alchemist today.
1: Yes. Sloth podcast next week. Full metal.
0: Exactly. I think with this show, we've come up with like, 30 different podcast ideas
1: and expect them all in 2021. It's going to, we're going to bomb
0: bombard you with all our podcasts. Exactly. All right. So we have episode 24 and episode 25. If we're counting straight through, if we are going by season, it would be season two episodes 11 and 12, I believe. So let's jump right into it. Episode 24 inside the belly. So we finally catch up with Marco and Envy has captured him and keeping him alive. It seems like he's in kind of a dungeon or a jail or something like that. He is being fed and kept alive because he is a candidate for sacrifice as Envy was calling him. Marco said he's been sitting here and trying to figure out what they want him to do, but he thinks he finally pieced it together. The homunculi, Want to turn the country into a giant transmutation circle and use the souls of the citizens to create a Philosopher's Stone. En- Envy tells him that he's close, but he's not quite there yet, but he's on the right track. But Envy doesn't give him much more information beyond that. Envy then threatens Marco by saying, if he doesn't do what they're asking him to do, they'll burn the village to the ground. This concerns Marco, and you know he has a little bit of a, a, a moral dilemma there. And then Envy kind of mocks him, saying you'd be willing to sacrifice millions in this whole country just to save this small village. And it seems to be a big thing with Envy. He just mocks how much he hates humans and how dumb they are. We then see Wrath walking around his compound, and we hear a disembodied voice. This voice is of another homunculus, and he's talking to Wrath about the last mission. Wrath mentions that the Elric's Mustang and his crew, as well as the travelers from Xin are proven to be a thorn in their side. And while he had the chance to deal with them, he didn't because he could have killed Mustang and his men after Mustang killed Lust. Well, this mysterious homunculus says that he won't tell father what they had talked about and, you know, kind of giving him a, hey, this is hush-hush, but what you're saying might be considered treasonous, so fair warning. We jump back to the cabin And gluttony has really just transformed. He's opened his mouth and it's become this just monstrous, similar to what you see with the gate. So it has like the one, the black expanse and the one eye, but instead of there being stone doors on either side of it, uh, there's just these teeth or claws, whatever you want to call it. So he's just become this little monster, or yeah, this monstrous beast. Staying, all of them are trying to fight him, but. When Mustang uses his fire, gluttony just eats it. So they realize they're outmatched and Mustang is running and everybody's running, just trying to keep away from Lust. Not lust, sorry, from Gluttony. Riza is able to get a shot in on Gluttony, which slows him down. And it's revealed that while well, Mustang is still struggling to keep up because of the injury he sustained while fighting Lust. So At this point, Riza and Mustang escape in the car with Dr. Knox and Lanfan. The Elrics decide to stay behind and fight with Ling uh, to take on Gluttony because they wanted to finish their mission. Their mission was to get information out of Gluttony. They're not walking away from it. As the team starts to kind of strategize and figure out how are we going to fight Gluttony, they encounter a talking dog. Well, this talking dog is Envy. Envy is there only to get Gluttony back. He has no interest in dealing with Ling or the Elric brothers. However, he calls Ed Pipsqueak, so naturally Ed has to go and try to attack him. Gluttony says that he wants to eat Mustang, who, as we already know, has left. But Envy mentions that Mustang and the Elric's are off-limits because they are candidates for sacrifice. Ling appears and he says that, oh, you know, this Envy guy is a homunculus. I can sense it. Envy recognizes him as the guy who went toe-to-toe with Wrath and gives Gluttony permission to eat Ling since they really have no use for him. The brothers then realize, well, they are untouchable because the homunculi can't kill them under their superior's orders. So they create a barrier between themselves and Gluttony And then between Envy and Ling. So that way Envy can fight Ling. And, you know, they figured he'd have a better chance of dealing with Ling in a fight. And then the brothers would deal with Gluttony. Just like in the middle of all this, we skip over to uh, back to the house. Where uh, um, uh, the, sorry, Central Command, the presidential palace. Where they're having dinner. Um, Rath, his wife, and Salim, their little kid. And Selene apparently wrote a paper in school about how great his dad, the Fuhrer, is and how he is a great leader and protector of the people and he'll do anything for his nation and all that stuff. Meanwhile, you know, while he's saying this, we kind of get this, uh, he's saying this over images or video of the two, of the fight that's going on between the homunculi and Edward and Alphonse and Ling. Then we just drop back to the fight entirely. Envy gets the drop on Ling and is about to kill him. However, Ling is able to get the upper hand, blinding Envy and cutting off his limbs. Ling mentioned that you know people have been trying to kill him most of his life ever since he was a child due to him being uh, one of the princes, one of the emperor's sons. So he had to develop the fighting skills and dirty fighting in order to protect himself. The brothers try to fight gluttony but gluttony obviously doesn't want to fight because he can't and he doesn't want to accidentally eat the brothers either gluttony throws the brothers into a wall into that barrier wall that was created and they ultimately break it uh ling is about to finish envy but then envy transforms into long Fawn, which stops ling in his tracks envy orders gluttony to eat ling so ed then jumps to try to grab Ling before he is eaten. And then now Envy's concerned because Ed is a sacrifice, so he tries to capture Ed before he can get eaten. And unfortunately, all three of them, Ling, Ed, and Envy, get swallowed by Gluttony. And then Gluttony kind of returns back to his normal non-monstrous form. He mentions to Alphonse that he can't really spit anything up. He just swallows things. So he jumped to Dr. Knox, who is caring for Lan Fon, and she's just upset that she's in this position where she's injured, she's lost an arm, and she can't help Ling. Mustang is also in Dr. Knox's house with Risa, and Mustang decides, hey, I need to find out what the deal is with the homunculus. The, the Fuhrer may very well be a homunculus, and Knox tries to stop Mustang, but Mustang that, insists that he must fight. After all, if just a bunch of children are willing to fight, he needs to fight. So Mustang decides to seek allies in order to take down the homunculus. He meets with Lieutenant General Raven at Raven's office. Apparently, Mustang's former CEO in the East, uh, General Grumman, referred to him as a useful ally. He tells Raven a story that Grumman told him kind of as a test to see how he would react to the story. Raven passed the test by reacting properly and this told Mustang that okay this is a guy who can be trusted. So as they're walking down the hall, Mustang casually talks about rumors that he's heard since he moved to Central and he drops the whole the fear is a homunculus rumor. Raven just kind of laughs and says, "Oh, you're, you know, you're a riot," and invites Mustang in for tea. As they enter this big hall, in that room are all of the senior le- leadership of the military and then the Fuhrer walks in. Apparently, the not only do the senior leadership know that the Fuhrer is homunculus, but they are actually working together with him. At this point, Mustang realizes that the real danger wasn't closing in on them. The danger was coming from within them. We flash over to Ed, who is seen sitting in a blood pool and rubble, and the episode ends. So a lot happened here. Uh, we're getting more into the lore. What were your thoughts, Jimmy?
1: Okay, my main thought, and this is a, not from the beginning of the episode, but I was so angry this episode at VR uh, Bradley, a.k.a. Wrath. Uh, just the scene of him with his family and his son wants to read him that essay he wrote about him. And his son's reading it all about how a great person... The Fuhrer is, and all I could think about was you, he didn't directly kill Hughes, but he kind of did kill Hughes. And just that he gets to have this family and live this life. Basically, he stole that what from Hughes. And I don't know, it made me so angry watching that.
0: I agree 100%. And I think that was part of the thought process they were going through. Because as Salim is reading this whole story about, hey, this is why my dad is so great. And he loves everybody. And he's awesome and stuff. Like, while that is happening, we see Edward and Alphonse and Ling fighting the lie. So it kind of shows that, yeah, while there's this image of him being this great leader of the nation... He is in league with the same enemies that the brothers are trying to take down. So it's kind of reminding you that no, he's not really a good guy, even though he tries to live out this life or this image of being a good family man.
1: Yeah, it's uh it was it was very frustrating. And I feel I feel like I'm never gonna get over Hughes. I forever will be will have Hughes in my heart. So when I saw Bradley with his family it's just like, man, you took that away from someone so that you could have it. Which is strange, like, he doesn't even really need a family. He's a homunculi. So, this is all kind of extra for him.
0: True. Like, I get the impression that the... uh, I guess the impression I've always got is... The the only reason because in the earlier episode, they mentioned that his son isn't his biological son, but rather adopted. So like his whole family is nothing more than a uh, than just an image to like throw people off and let them think, OK, he is. Uh, yeah, of course. So he's a good family man. He's a great leader and everything. When in reality, it's like, no, he's a he is a terrible person.
1: Yeah. And then uh, going back to the beginning of the episode. Uh, I always like to ask myself certain questions when characters have to make decisions. And when Envy kind of brings it up to Marco, are you going to cooperate us or are we going to have to destroy this town? It made me think of what I would do in that situation. If Marco doesn't cooperate, then he is helping the whole nation out. Because they need him for like a bigger plan. But it's at the cost of this village that he loves so much. I don't know what do you think you would do.
0: See that's a tough thing because on one hand logically you would think of like logically you would think okay the the town has what maybe a few thousand people whereas the country has several million uh naturally to me it would make more sense to not to let the smaller group die in favor of saving the larger group but then yeah I think Marco is very he's just very concerned about it because he's thinking like oh I don't want to kill anybody and I think he already has guilt for having created the philosopher's stones and killing people ultimately doing that so
1: yeah it's just it's tough I would hope I could I would want to save the nation over a smaller group but then it's like a group of people you you know intimately like he knows the people in that town So, uh, it was very tough. That's kind of what I was going through that in the beginning.
0: Exactly. Yeah. He definitely, like, he definitely, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah. The people in this town, he's gotten to know and he knows them personally. So I think like intellectually he can grasp the concept of millions of people, but they're all strangers to him. It'd be like, you know, if you said, Hey, you have a choice between saving your next door neighbors or saving the entire state of Wyoming. Like, Logically, it's like, okay, yeah, there are more people in Wyoming, so that's a greater sacrifice. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know anybody there. So, you know, you you would really wonder what you would decide.
1: Yeah, it's a a big decision. Um, I think we ultimately see that he ends up working with them. Or we don't know that for a fact, but the sigh he makes after Envy tells gives him kind of the ultimatum. As we're to assume that he's going to work with them.
0: Yeah, that's kind of the good. That's that's kind of what I'm get thinking is that he he never he never says yes I'll do it. I don't recall him actually saying that. But the fact that he hesitated and he sat there and thought makes it seem like okay, yeah, he can be. He might very possibly join their cause in order to save that village.
1: Yeah, and yeah so i'm i'm glad that he's not dead because i assumed that he was dead in the last in the episode where uh, they go to kind of try to save havoc havoc's legs yep and marco's room is uh all disriveled so i assumed he was killed but now we know he's alive he's just being held prisoner yeah and
0: apparently they want to use him as a sacrifice too and They said, you know, Marco thinks he guessed what it was, and they said he was on the right track, but he didn't have it exactly. So, clearly they're wanting to do something with the Philosopher's Stone, but what these sacrifices have to do with all of this has, like, there's nothing being said there. So, like, we we have no idea what their goal is.
1: But we do know that the sacrifices aren't just everyday people, or even great fighters like Ling. They are very talented alchemists, yes, so we that's a clue we have so far,
0: yeah, absolutely. We do realize that they're wanting really skilled alchemists. We still don't know exactly why, but that is a very very important thing to them that they people are alchemists, and that's why they're trying to protect you know um the Elric brothers amongst others because they need them.
1: Yes, and it's not even just state alchemists. Because uh, in this episode, Envy says that, that Gluttony can't have either of the brothers. Which, Al is not a state alchemist. And I'm assuming that they want Ed and Al's teacher. Because Wrath uh, tried to recruit her to kind of bring her in closer to him. So, they're just after really strong alchemists. Not necessarily state alchemists.
0: Yes, and then, of course, we have the whole, we have the big fight between Envy and the Honkulai and everything. Granted, not much happens there, but we kind of get to learn more about why Ling is such a good fighter. Apparently, you know, kind of Games of Thronesy type things, it sounds like, where somebody's betraying somebody and somebody's always trying to kill somebody to get access to the throne and stuff. So it sounds like a lot of people had tried to attack Ling or assassinate Ling to get his clan out of the running for being the next emperor or the next ruling clan of the, of Shing. So yeah, it sounds like he's had to develop the skills to learn how to fight and defend himself.
1: Yes. I love new Ling or I'm, I'm calling it like Ling 2.0, this cool fighter Ling. I, I'm enjoying it. I love comedic Ling, but new Ling is awesome.
0: Yes, the one thing I do like is that he actually is holding his weight. Not that he wasn't before, but he definitely was more of a comedic character, but now he actually seems to have a lot of uh, like a lot of use. He's actually able to help help people fight and stand up against any of the enemies.
1: I mean, he goes toe to toe with a lot of these homunculi and He's holding his own for the most part, so I, I, I think this is he's a great addition to the team. And someone they can trust, which is hard to find now.
0: Yeah, and it, it also he's a stand. He is not a homunculus or an alchemist, so he is just a regular dude. And we've never seen him fight with any distance weapons like how we see Riza uses guns and whatnot. Uh, you know, he fights with melee weapons like swords and he gets up and close. So he is very skilled to to be able to to pull this off.
1: On that, Reza Hawkeye is so cool every time I see her in these past few episodes. Her with the guns, uh, whether going through the forest, she kind of just does that side thing when you're shooting the gun sideways as you're like jumping. I, if you watch the episode, you'll you'll see it, and it's just so cool. Yes,
0: and I liked how she gave Elric's or Edda, before they left and drove off. She gave Ed a gun just to protect himself. Um, you know, I, and it, you just never see Edward use a gun, so it's just kind of interesting that she gave him one. Like, oh well, here you go. I think this is the only time we've ever seen her give a gun to anybody. So. And and yeah, as it's, it's an alchemist, he's not the type to use a gun. So it's just I thought that part was interesting. I'm I'm wondering what was going through her mind.
1: Yes, I wrote in my notes: Does gun beat alchemy? Like, is a gun better than alchemy?
0: <laughs> I don't. I mean, I guess like. Let's say there's nothing. Let's say you're in like a room of feathers or something, and you can't really turn it into a sword or anything, then yeah, maybe a gun's better. That has to do with clapping transmutation. So it's like possible that if he has to clap or he loses an arm or somebody removes his auto mail, then he's kind of useless.
1: I don't know. It feels like alchemy beats gun, but I kind of understand why she gave it to him. I think that's the least she could do. Like it's a gesture to him uh that's and it's not the least that's like the most she can do she can't help them more than that than give them the gun so she's like this is all i can do for you guys and i guess it gives her some kind of peace of mind
0: yeah that's probably exactly what it was like she just like i have to do like i can't leave these kids alone while they're fighting so i have to do something and really all she could do because she was getting ready to drive off with Mustang, Knox, and Lawn Fawn was, well, here's a gun.
1: Yeah, but in a sense, it's also putting her, and it's kind of like she's saying, like, I'm going to give up some of my protection to give you guys protection. Because now she's one gun short, so when she runs out of bullets in that one gun she has, she doesn't have her second gun to go to. Or I don't know how many guns she's holding on her, but she still is one gun short of whatever she has on her.
0: Yeah, well, I guess we figured while we're heading off to wherever. We're heading off somewhere else, so I'll just grab a gun there, maybe.
1: Uh, yes, and they're fighting Gluttony at this point, point. and is this Gluttony's true form? Like, uh, are we seeing Gluttony's true form at this point? Like, an eyeball has popped out of the middle of him, and it's uh, it looks like a giant eyeball mouth because it has teeth so i'm wondering if that's his true form
0: i think it is like they don't obviously they don't just say it in this episode but that clearly is like it's his true form or what he really is because yeah and it's funny because we only see him take that form when he's really angry at finding mustang who killed lust but we never see that form again. Like even when he calms down, he returns back to his normal self.
1: Yes. And it's interesting. It's like, maybe it took so much anger to push him to this, to reveal this maybe unstable form of himself to everyone.
0: Yeah. I think that would probably be a fair thing to say that there, that he's like the unstable or something like that kind of fort form.
1: Yes. And then, A dog comes out in the middle of the fight and starts talking to them, which we find out is Envy in disguise, which brings me back to, do you think Wrath was talking to Envy in the beginning of the episode? Like, you watch it and there's kind of a moth near a light, and I don't know if we're to assume that the moth is talking, but is it... do you think that was Envy? Nah, because it had nice. a
0: completely different voice than Envy. It's definitely a homunculus we haven't heard before.
1: Well, yeah, I guess who's left?
0: Uh, pride and Sloth are the only ones we haven't met yet, so...
1: I I thought maybe that was going to be Envy, because Envy was a dog. I don't know if we've seen Envy as an animal before, so I was like, maybe she was the moth, and Bradley's just talking to her. Because in this episode, she doesn't seem much of a wild card. She seems or sorry. I keep saying she, cause of the yeah. tank top. And I, for the longest time, I thought Envy was a girl rocking a cool tank top, but turns out Envy's a guy rocking a cool tank top. So pardon me. <laughs> Envy him. It, he is very level-headed and very calm. He's like gluttony. You can't eat the Elric brothers. We need them. Uh, this is a plan. He kind of apologizes to uh, Ed for calling him a pipsqueak, pipsqueak, which is like very. He's trying to calm the situation, so it it gave me this different view of who Envy
0: is. I agree, and then of course, let's not forget the uh, biggest takeaway around there was uh, the fact that Mustang is learning that. The military has always known that 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 the fear is a monculus, and they've always been working with them.
1: Oh, dude, jaw drop moment when Mustang goes to this. I don't know if he thinks he can trust him or not, because before he leaves, he says it's time to see find out who we can trust and who we can't trust. But it when he met. Um, is it Colonel Raven or
0: uh yeah, it was like Lieutenant General Raven. When he meets him,
1: it's not like he's testing the waters of trust. He basically outright is saying, like, like, I think Fuhrer Bradley is a homunculus. And for me, that's not testing the waters of trust. That's we're diving into trust here.
0: Yeah. Though he didn't he did it kind of slyly by saying like, Oh, you know, yeah. Ever since I moved here, I've heard rumors like scar was found taking care of a cat and, uh, more, there's some secret to immortality. And, uh, you know, the fear is a, hum- a, hum- a, hum- a, 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 homunculus. So like, he was trying to play it cool to where it would sound like, okay. Yeah. Um, but
1: if you're like talking to someone who you, who might be in on this, that's a big red flag for them. Like, like, true, that guy would know immediately what you're hinting at if they were in on it. And I think if you can trust someone in their situation, to trust someone means that they don't know everything already, that they're in the dark as much as these people, as uh, Mustang and his crew are. But Mustang gets kind of led into a trap because they go into the room and fear Bradley comes out and He's like, yeah. Everyone knows already. Worst kept secret. In
0: exactly. Like they clearly, everybody knows who he is, and that he is one of the homunculi. And yeah, it's like, oh well. Now, now, uh, now he's having to realize. Oh yeah, I, I am way in over my head because I guess he figured. Oh, maybe the fear of being homunculus was just not a well-known thing, but nope, now he realizes that he is, and now he's made himself known, which is kind of kind of be a difficult thing too, because like now everybody knows that he knows.
1: Not only that, he's trapped in a room with the uh, top ranking officials in the like state. It's, it's
0: insane. Yep. And now I guess we'll have to figure out like that was an interesting way to just end the episode because it's like now we're gonna have to jump into the next thing like right as it's getting to the peak. The, the brothers are, you know, Ed's swallowed and every apparently there is a massive conspiracy going on in the government.
1: Yeah, it, if I didn't know that we had two more uh, seasons left, I would be like everything seems to be coming to the to an end right now. Because it feels like we're getting to the end of all these like strings we've been pulling on. Because uh, the secret's out of the bag about Fuhrer Bradley being a homunculus. And uh, we're learning more about the homunculus themselves. So, you know, what a great way to jump into the next episode.
0: Yes, let's do that. So the next episode is called Doorway of Darkness. So let's take a look here. So... We pick up where Ed was, and Ed's wandering around. It's dark, seemingly endless expanse filled with blood and debris. And he runs into Ling. They look around, and they see uh, part of the house that was destroyed, that cabin in the woods. Uh, They also see Reza's car. And they see a lot of fire, so they assume that's from Mustang's attack. So they kind of conclude, okay, we're inside of Envy's stomach now. And so they try to figure out, okay, well, if we're in his stomach and we were swallowed, then clearly there must be a way out of his stomach. So they keep walking and they find no end. Ed suggests, well, you know what, I'll create an exit. So he creates a hole in the bottom of the ground, kind of like a well almost. And they drop a torch, but they never hear it hit bottom. So then they just start running because they're like, if we keep running, we'll eventually find a wall. But, you know, they just keep going and going and going and going. We then jump to Yogi and Mei Chang. Mei Chang is sad because she lost Xiao Mei, her little panda. And yes, she is not a cat. She is a panda, but due to an illness, she didn't grow to full size. So that's why she's the the little weak character that we see, a little small panda. We then learn more about Mei's backstory. The Chang clan is the lowest ranked one in Xing, or at least one of the lowest ranked ones. Uh, They are ultimately powerless and are on the verge of dying out. Mei finds Xiao Mei. In the like out, out when she's walking around and stuff and realizes, oh, you know, this panda is kind of like me, just kind of weakly and nobody cares for me and whatnot. So, you know, they kind of bond and build a friendship and stuff. May mentions the reason why she came to Amestris was to find the secret of immortality, similar to what Ling wanted, because she is hoping that if she can find the secret of immortality, it'll raise her to become the new Empress of Xing, and she can save her clan because she feels, well, you know, if if her clan doesn't make it through this next uh, secession or succession cycle, they probably won't survive anymore. We jump back to Ed and Ling. They continue traveling and they just try to find an exit to this place. Ling, as he always does, starts passing out due to hunger. Ed threatens to leave Ling behind, but he relents because he says, hey, I can't leave you behind. There's people depending on you like they're depending on me. Ed gets hungry as well, so because his boot is made of leather, he cooks it, they eat it, and then out of nowhere, they find Envy. So Ed just hysterically asks, hey, how do we get out of here? Because he figures, well, Envy probably knows more than he does. Envy says, yeah, there's no way out of here. Uh, Gluttony was a failed attempt. Uh, by father, to create an artificial gate of truth, similar to what the brothers created, were, were, or what we see anybody have to go through when they try to do the human transmutation. But he's uh, a failed experiment, so you never actually get to the gate of truth. So anybody who gets swallowed by gut, gluttony ends up somewhere in between reality and truth. So they're kind of in this weird nowhere land. They're not actually in, a, in gluttony stomach. They're just in this weird like, pocket dimension, if you will. So this obviously disheartens them that there's no way out, and this is just where they're going to be until they die. And Envy decides, you know what, he's just going to dump a massive amount of information. Uh, you know, Ed asks him about the Fuhrer, and if the Fuhrer is the one who's in charge of everything. And he said, well, no, Fear is just another one of the Monculus. He doesn't outrank anybody else. Uh, and that their father's the real mastermind. And then he explains how Envy was actually the person behind the Ishvalan Civil War. So as we mentioned earlier, the Ishvalan Civil War took place when an Ishvalan child was killed in cold blood by an Amestrian, uh, Amestrian soldier envy was that amestrian soldier he transformed to look like that soldier and we actually get to see like from his perspective just a little girl and kind of this in the street just playing with the doll and stuff and he just pulls out his gun points at her head and shoots her dead this is what sparks the riots which uh, uh, escalates into the war which results in a genocide envy is just laughing and he's, he's just getting so much joy out of telling the story. And he points out that the man who he transformed into was actually a pacifist and was against the idea of war. And he wound up being court-martialed because he couldn't come up with a plausible defense as to why someone who looked like him shot the, uh, shot the little girl. And yeah, so Envy's just so happy. Now, Ed is just getting angry because he's realizing that everything that has happened, such as the fallen genocide, the uh, scar becoming scar, Winry's parents dying, were all due to Envy. So he pushed, he punches Envy, but Envy doesn't budge. Envy then says he wants to show them something neat before they die. Ling mentions that he noticed that when they were fighting in the woods, Envy left massive footprints prints despite being small-framed. So that must mean that he is more massive than he's letting on. Envy then transforms into his true form. Just this massive lizard-like creature with stringy hair. And all of these bodies are kind of hanging off of him. But these bodies are, are apparently... From what I can gather, they're the souls that make up the homuncula, or make up the homunculi's um, philosopher's stone. These bodies are all crying in, out in agony as well. We then jump back to Al, Xiaomei and Gluttony. Al's feeling defeated because he lost his brother, and he has no idea how to get him back. Gluttony is scared because he doesn't want Father to be mad at him, and Al realizes that this Father was actually the creator of the homunculi and he may know how to get Ed out. Gluttony says he'll take them to meet Father. We then jump to the senior military meeting. The senior military are discussing potential sacrifices, and they mention that Elric's being the only sure thing that they have. They start listing other state alchemists, such as Marco, Kimbley, and then they mention Mustang. And it seems like what they're looking for is somebody who either has opened the gate or somebody who has the nerve or ability to open the gate and survive it. Mustang is a candidate for sacrifice, and Mu- and Wrath is dealing with him. So Wrath is talking to Mustang in his office. Wrath decides that there's no point in killing Mustang because there's more use in keeping him alive, but keeping him under watch. And it turns out that to weaken Mustang... Rath ordered all of his men to be reassigned, so some were moved to the south post, some were moved to the west post, some were moved north. Riza was made the personal assistant to the Fuhrer. And by breaking up Mustang's people, this one got rid of Mustang's commandant, uh, and also it let him know who was actually in charge. We then join Ed, Ling, and Envy. Ed creates a sword with the iron and the blood, and they prepare to fight. They decide to fight him in order to get revenge because at this point it's not like it would do anything. We then jump to the outside and we see Al and Gluttony. Al's kind of in shock, and he asks Gluttony, "Is this? Are you sure this is the direction to get to your father?" And Gluttony says, "Yep." And then Al realizes that they are walking in the, de- the they are walking in the direction of Central City. Which means that Father is living in Central and the episode ends. So, even more interesting things happen and even more exposition dump going on there. So, yeah, tell me what you were thinking.
1: My first initial thought in this episode, and we didn't bring it up last episode, but I thought Envy was dead in the last episode because his body does the dust, the Thanos dust. As all homunculus bodies have done when they die. We did not see the Philosopher's Stone like poof. But I assumed that he was dead. And I was like, and he's alive! When he pops out in the middle of this episode. And I was very grossed out this episode. Because if you ever had a cut, blood has a certain smell to it. Uh, I've worked... I mean, if you ever had a cut, you kind of might have smelt your own blood. But uh, I used to work as a butcher's apprentice, and I've smelt blood before, and it does not smell good. It has its own odor, and to be walking in it, I I don't know how they did it. Yes,
0: that was just. I mean, granted, they had no other choice. I'm I'm sure if, if I were in the same situation, I'd probably just power through it too. But yeah, that's just this whole. They just keep walking. It's nothing but blood. Like, at least knee deep, the blood is. Uh, maybe shin deep. But it's not like uh, just a, a, a puddle of blood. Like, they're just walking through all of this blood. And it is dark. They have they make torches out of the fire that they find around them from Mustang's attack. But otherwise, it would be pitch black. And they're just wandering through. And they're hoping they can find a way out. And they walk by random debris, uh, likely from buildings or whatever, that gluttony had eaten. And yeah, it's just it's it's one of those times where you're just like, oh yeah, they're they're completely in a bleak situation. And granted, we know they're going to have to get out somehow because there's still like three seasons left. But you start to wonder how are they going to get their way out, get themselves out of this one kind of thing.
1: Yeah, it's a uh, it's pretty bleak for them. They're eating shoes, and. Oh, it's, it's tough, man. Watching this episode really makes you, really shows you the drive that they have, that they're working towards something and then they got to keep pushing themselves because they're trying to find an exit.
0: Yes. Oh, and then like the whole thing, like we learn more about the country's origin and the military and everything because Mustang asked Wrath kind of point blank about, you know, how long has he been a homunculus or how long has the country been ruled by a homunculus? And then Rath mentions that it's always been ruled by the homunculus. It's been ruled by all the homunculi since the founding of the country. So we're learning more about this country and it kind of has a secret government being run by the homunculi and this father person. And then we learn about like the, the civil war was caused by a homunculus. A a homunculus took the form of an amestrian and shot the girl in the head for no real reason. It wasn't one of those situations where she was caught in a crossfire as he was trying to catch a burglar or a criminal or something. Like we see him just standing there in the street. And then this little girl gets close to him and then he kind of smiles. And so the little girl smiles back thinking, Oh, you know, this is like a friendly guy. This is nice. And then he pulls out his gun and shoots her in the head. So it was a complete, like there, there is no, you could see why the falls would get mad. Cause there was literally no, there was no justification to it. Like to say, Oh, well she got caught in the crossfire or she came attacking and stuff. It's like, it was purely just done out of malice. And that just caused a huge escalation of the issue to where it eventually just became an all out ward, which resulted in the state alchemists going in and killing them. But Knowing that the homunculi rule everything, it's almost as if the homunculi wanted that to be happened. Wanted the, wanted all these volids killed. So now we're curious what that has to do with anything.
1: What a tough scene to watch uh, Envy do that to a child. I thought maybe we were going to get a cutaway. Just hear the sound. But man no punches are held back in this anime
0: yes and then the fact that envy is laughing the whole time when he's telling the story like he is just so happy and so proud of himself for having done this
1: yes i do i think that someone told envy to do this because as we learned in the last episode envy is kind of controlled envy is following orders and envy knows what his orders are and what line he needs to be in, not to say he didn't enjoy, uh, shooting the child or just going crazy like that and uh, letting more of his true self out, uh. But I he I feel like he was told to do that. Because they knew that that was going to trigger something.
0: Oh yeah, I absolutely guarantee he was just following orders. But it was the fact that he, and we see it other times too, he just gets so much joy out of how weak humans are and how easy it was to manipulate them and stuff. So, you know, I think, yes, he was following orders, but he was legitimately enjoying it too.
1: I also thought Envy had a way out. Envy knew so, Envy seemed so calm in a sense that I thought he was like, well, we got to do these certain things and we'll, we'll find a way out. But in a way it just seemed like he was riling up, uh, Ed to get angry at him. I, I, I really don't understand. Cause they're kind of, they're all trapped in there.
0: Well, I think envy, unlike Ling and Ed who have like, Ed, you know, has Winry and Alphonse and all these other people waiting for him. And, Ling has his mission for his clan as well as Lan and Fu out there waiting for him. So they've got a lot going for them. Envy is just kind of a monkey lie who enjoys killing people. So even though it sucks, he's I think he's just kind of resigned to it. Like, okay, this is what the rest of my life is going to be like now. It is
1: kind of interesting, uh, you saying that, because in a, like Gluttony had lust. You know, like as you're saying, like Ed has Al or Winry. Like, for Gluttony, it was Lust, and that's what made him so angry in the last uh, episode. But it seems like Envy doesn't... Even though Envy hung out with those three
0: so much, doesn't seem
1: like he was really a part of the trio.
0: No, I mean, I think... Well, I think Lust... What's the word I'm looking for? Lust definitely was like a mother figure to Gluttony, because Gluttony definitely has the mind of a child. And we actually did see Envy angry at Lust's death in like one of the previous episodes when I guess Wrath reports that Lust had been killed by Mustang. Envy is like, You should have ripped his spine out. There's no reason he should be standing right now. So Lust our Envy apps obviously cares about Lust, but I think it's in a I think it's in not. It's more of like a colleague or you know, soul, soldier kind of way. Like we're both soldiers. We're both working together. And a weak human shouldn't kill one of us. But I think at the same time, he just doesn't care. Like he's just ambivalent if he ever gets out or not. Like he's he clearly seems upset, but it's not like a hysterical upset because he just says, "I can't believe I got swallowed with you guys." Almost like sarcastic.
1: I'm not. I don't. I'm not understanding envy just yet. Oh, maybe I will. In the next episode, um, which brings me to something that we forgot to mention in the last episode, whereas whereas Ling is fighting Envy, and he says that I sense all these souls in you. And before watching this episode, I thought what Ling was saying was every time Envy like mimics a person, that maybe he takes a piece of their soul with him but we find out later that it's because of all the souls in the philosopher stone. Is that right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So the philosopher stone, as we learned in the earlier episodes are made of the souls of multiple people. And when envy takes his true form, yeah, we see all of those little souls hanging off of him, screaming and, you know, begging for help and everything. So, yeah, I don't think, yeah, I think those are the souls from his philosopher stone. I don't think it has anything to do with him. Uh, with like him taking a person's soul when he tra- tele- when he transforms into them. Cause I think he, when he transforms, he just transforms. I don't think he takes anything from somebody cause we never see like, we never see anything bad happen to anybody he transforms into. So yeah, I, I'm 100% think those are souls from the philosopher's stone.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I was just, uh, yeah i was thinking about that and i'm very disappointed that we're not seeing we didn't get to see any like we're getting all these true forms now and we're not seeing like um we never got to see lust's true form or greed's true form it feels like if any moment lust should have kind of broken that out while mustang was lighting her on fire
0: i think maybe it's just the nature of his power i guess like I don't know. Like I'm just guessing, but my thought is okay, maybe it's because he he transforms maybe the souls, like a side effect of his powers that the souls kind of get a physical form. Yeah, we never see like souls with any of the other ones.
1: Yeah, I just uh, it's kind of interesting. And then like Gluttony is the portals of truth or like a man-made failed experiment of a Uh, a passageway to uh what is it the truth which now that it's been pointed out i see it and it's all familiar um i don't think i would have ever gotten it if envy never pointed that all out because now you realize oh it's the eye it makes sense now but i would have never gotten that so I wonder if every homunculus has like some kind of failed other purpose for
0: them. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, clearly, he's with father when he's creating all these homunculi, he has some grander plan and grander purpose for them. So I don't know what the others are for. I think obviously, envy being able to transform gives him the ability to infiltrate into different things and. Uh, I guess Gluttony, he wanted to make a gate and it failed. So he just was like, okay, well, you can be a foot soldier too. And yeah, I guess Fuhrer was created to kind of be the puppet uh, leader of the country. So yeah, it seems like they've all been created for something.
1: Yeah, so I'm I'm, I'm very curious to see kind of if we're going to find out what these other homunculus have been created created for or maybe this is just maybe it's just a one time thing with Gluttony kind of trying to be this portal to uh, the truth and it failed so he kind of pivots on that but everyone else has a true purpose Uh, I'm not sure but it was very it's eye opening seeing that something I would have noticed normally
0: It's we just learned so much about the homunculi and the nature of the homunculi and how they are like the true rulers of the country and the military is clearly on their side because they're talking about the sacrifices as well and apparently they need people who've been able either been able to open the gate or who might be able to open the gate and seeing as they're kind of going through like when they mention Kimberly they kind of say oh well I don't think he can open up the nerve so I, I guess opening the gate is a big deal though I guess that. Now, now that I'm talking about it, thinking about it, yeah, it would be a big deal because you know that there's going to be a rebound if you open the gate and you're going to lose something as a result. So I don't think a lot of people would be in a hurry to open the gate randomly. But
1: we, I wonder if we're going to also see more people who have opened the gate later on in the series. I, we have three three people right now. Uh, I wonder if we're going to get to see uh, more people who have experienced this.
0: Probably. I mean, I guess we'll see how many, but yeah, I'm guessing we're going to see a lot of people who've had, they'll deal with this stuff. And yeah, just, we're starting to get deeper into it. We're starting to learn more about the role the homunculi play and just how there's this, it's not even like a small conspiracy where what you see sometimes in a lot of other shows where you see, oh, you know, there's this secret cabal that's running everything. It's like, no, the government is specifically ran like this. Now, granted, the only people who know about it are the most senior people. I guess the most normal rank-and-file soldiers or your normal citizen has no idea what's going on. But, yeah, clearly this is how the government's been run.
1: Yeah, it's just, like I said, not not last podcast, but last episode we talked about. I thought everything is coming to a head right now. You know, We're pulling on those strings, and it seems like we're getting to the end. This episode makes me feel like we pulled on those strings, and I'm realizing there's still another mile of string left. Every time I feel like I'm getting close to answers, they're throwing me some more curveballs, or they're revealing a little bit more, and it's making me question, well, now I've learned this about the homunculi, I I want to know more. I is there more purpose to them or what's going on? Who is father? I mean, who is father has been a question we've had for a while now, but it feels like we're gonna get to know soon because Gluttony and Al are gonna take a little trip together. It's uh, it's very cute in a way.
0: Yes. Well, we're gonna find out pretty soon. So. Hopefully by next episode, if not that, maybe in the next few episodes, we find out something about father. Cause we know that the brothers are on their way and Rath or Al is on his way with gluttony and Wrath is debriefing and with uh debriefing Mustang and I don't know, and, and Envy and Ling and, Alph- or, and Alphonse, uh, Envy Ling and Ed need to figure out what they're up to. So, Hey, who knows?
1: It's a, and is May going to get reunited with her panda? Like, so many questions for next episode
0: well that means you guys are going to have to join us for the next episode then to figure out what happens
1: I'll, I'll definitely be
0: joining awesome well that was it for Full Metal Pod today I thank you all for joining us and as always I'm Jason and I'm Jimmy bye bye